The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta. Because we know on one flight, Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. And now, and now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow, now is there? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast with host A. Trunk. What's up, everybody? It's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New every Thursday, anywhere you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss an episode. And uh, thank you to those who do, and thank you to those that listen on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And remember, follow on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page for info and updates on all fronts. And as I tell you guys every week, everything you hear on this podcast, as far as interviews, all originated live on my Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation, heard Monday through Friday live 3 to 5 Eastern. Faction Talk Channel 103 is where you'll find it, or you can listen anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. There's also a Monday show, a bonus show on Hair Nation Channel 39 with music and talk, and that's 5 to 8 Eastern, Mondays only. Terrestrial radio show, this podcast, and now the new YouTube show, That Rocks, featuring myself, Don Jameson, and Jim Florentine, my old That Metal Show crew, back together doing a new show on YouTube. Hope you join us. Check those shows out totally free. We do them live most of the times Wednesday at 7 Eastern, but you can watch anytime on YouTube. Just subscribe, go check it out, and punch in That Rocks in search on YouTube, and you'll see the episodes come up. We already have had Brett Michaels, Corey Taylor, David Coverdale, and many, many more. So be sure to check out uh, five or six that are up there for you right now of the brand new YouTube show, That Rocks, with myself, Don, and Jim. And thank you for those that subscribe and watch that as well. Uh, We got a great one for you this week as far as an interview. This was done a few weeks ago and aired live 
on Trunk Nation, on my daily show, on Faction Talk 103, and it's with Blackie Lawless of Wasp. Now, Blackie and I, as you may know from the past interview that I did last year, we go back. We have a lot of history together. He may have been, and I, I can never really corroborate this, but he may have very well been my first ever radio interview when I got into radio 40 years ago. Uh, so although we don't talk to each other on a regular basis, we've known each other, obviously, for a really long time. And Blackie wanted to come on to talk about the next run of WASP tour dates that are coming up in America. Uh, as you know, WASP toured in the U.S. and did extremely well. And now they're coming back to do a whole nother run of dates in even bigger venues. Up until the most recent leg of touring, Wasp hadn't toured in America in over 10 years. So I always say absence makes the heart grow fonder for bands that stay away for a bit. And I think the success of the last Wasp tour absolutely uh, proved that. But the tour was not without controversy because many accused Blackie Lawless of singing to a track, effectively lip syncing. And anybody that knows anything about me knows that I am vehemently against that. And I feel it is extraordinarily bad for rock and roll. Any genre of music, it's ridiculous. But as it creeps more and more into rock music and people seemingly don't care, I think it is just death, the true death for rock and roll if that happens. So I could not, you know, as, as much as I, I, I know and like Blackie, I could not not bring that up. And uh, you'll hear how he handled that and the answer. And, uh, you know, he did admit to it. But I, I uh, will agree to disagree because I vehemently disagree with anybody doing this. You know, it's funny. I just uh, read an article about a documentary coming out on Millie Vanilli, who, of course, their career was ruined when they were exposed for lip syncing. Now, every pop star in the world virtually is doing it. Nobody seems to care. And as it gets more and more a thing in rock music, if nobody cares, we're doomed. So again, I'll always respect Blackie as an entertainer and as a songwriter, but I can't agree with him or any band, no matter how much I like them or don't like them or how I feel about them personally. I just, I just, I don't understand it. And again, if the artists continue to, uh, I'm sorry, if the audience continues to not care then why wouldn't every band do this? And then every show you go to is just going to be like listening to a computer. So I think it's incredibly dangerous, incredibly slippery slope that we're on. Anybody that listens to me on the radio or follows me knows that I am extremely outspoken about it. And I think more people need to be, or we have a huge, huge issue coming down the pike, which is already kind of halfway here. Above and beyond that, we talk with Blackie about a lot of other stuff as well, and of course the coming tour and how the last leg went, and as you know, he had to sit on a chair recently to play some shows because of an injury. We cover that as well. So without further ado, this week on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, setting it up for you, uh, we now bring you Blackie Lawless of Wasp. At Delta, we know Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. 
Te presentamos a la familia Rubio. Ellos hacen todo en familia. Rompecabezas, viajes a Walmart, ejercicios, cocinamos, todo. Y cuando supieron que la farmacia de Walmart tiene vacunas para todas las edades, desde HPV hasta neumonía, pues nos fuimos en familia a vacunarnos. Y de una vez hicimos nuestras compras. Like, obvio, Abu. <risas> Protege a tu familia con vacunas para todos. Haz una cita hoy con los farmacéuticos expertos de Walmart Pharmacy. Bienvenido a una farmacia más simple. Bienvenido a tu Walmart. Sujetas a disponibilidad y ley estatal aplicable. Se aplican restricciones según la edad. Pregúntale a tu farmacéutico por detalles. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let's now go to the phones now and welcome into the show a guy that, when he was last on this show, was just getting ready to embark on his first big tour of America a tour that by every measure went uh, exceedingly well, just coming back from Europe and getting ready to start another run of U.S. touring coming up a little bit later on in the summer. Blackie Lawless joins us now live on Trunk Nation. Blackie, how are you, man? How you feeling? Uh, yeah, I think it's safe to say I've been better. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll survive. Let's, let's jump right in on that. If you can, give the audience an update on your health because it was well reported that while you were in Europe where you just got back, you had to sit for some of the shows. Um, what's going on with you, man? What, what's, uh, what's ailing you? Is it a back thing? Well, what happened, this all goes back to this past Monday was my 10-year anniversary from when I broke my right femur. And it's a long, complicated story, but what's been going on with my back is a direct uh, reflection of what happened with that femur being broken because I wore a lift for nine years and come to find out I did not need that lift. And it was, that was only determined last summer, so the lift was taken out. So, but the spine had adjusted to me walking with that lift And when we took it out, then that's when the problem started. And it actually started at the beginning of the U.S. tour. And I was able to get through the U.S. tour okay, and we thought it had settled into place. But when we got to Europe, we quickly discovered about two weeks into the tour that was not the case. And what was happening is that the, the vertebrae were compressing some of the discs. I ended up rupturing a disc. And then that starts leaching out a gelatin that then wraps itself around the nerves coming out of the spinal cord. And uh, that then creates a thing called nerve pain. And I don't know if people understand what that is because I had heard of it, but I had never experienced it before. And it is pain that you cannot imagine. It mm. is unlike anything you've ever experienced before. And uh, to say that it's, Well, let's put it this way. When I had to go to Berlin four times to get treatments. I received eight epidurals uh, wow. throughout the tour. And that was the only way you know, I was getting through it because the pain is literally off the charts. And the doctors there told me, said, this pain can become so intense, people commit suicide from it. You know, And it's I can see why people would do that because it's, like I said, the, the first time I had to go in, They, you have to go into a surgical center because it's not something that can be done in a regular doctor's office. So we were in a hospital in Berlin, and so they take me into the surgical room or the operating room, and he told me, he says, now, 
I'm going to inject this needle or insert this needle into you, and I'm going to touch your spinal cord with it. He says, I want you to get ready for this. Now, I didn't know what that meant until he did it. Mm. And when he did it, I don't know of, I really don't have accurate words to describe what that feels like. The only way I can, the closest way I can explain it is it felt like an explosion, like a bomb went off inside my legs. And he says, I'm going to have to do this one more time. And Eddie, I swear to you, I grabbed the table with both hands. I mean, it was, it's like I said, I mean, you, you see these movies about mafia and things like that, or, you know, whatever they're pulling guys' fingernails off with, with pliers. Yeah. You don't need that. You just show somebody a needle, (laughs) (laughs) give up their kids. Yeah, I'm here to tell you, it's, there's nothing like it. I mean, it's just, you cannot fathom it unless you've been through it. So anyway, they were able to to keep me running, but they were afraid that I was going to do further damage. So the deal was halfway during the tour that I would pull back about 50% of the movement that I was doing, but it started getting worse and worse. And we got to Zurich about two and a half weeks ago and something happened during the show and I knew something wasn't right. And that's when we, we went to sitting after that. But we got home on this past Saturday, and I went straight to the to the um, to the doctor's office then, and they looked at me, and we said, "Okay, let's do new pictures." So we did new pictures on this past Monday. I have a thing, and they determined this in in Berlin. It's called mechanical compression, and what that means is, is you get vertebrae that start pushing against each other, but they grind against each other at the same time. Mm. and because they start to cramp. Well, when we were doing the show in Zurich, it was cramping really bad, and I couldn't get it to stop. And I was literally, literally hanging on to Elvis while I was trying to sing and play at the same time. And so we did the new pictures on Monday, and I have a cracked vertebrae now in my spine. So, but as bad as that sounds... Um, it's not the first time it happened. It happened the first time in 92 on the Crimson Idol tour. I got a little too close to the stage, to the edge of the stage one night, and some of the fans pulled me off the stage into the audience, and I ended up upside down in the crowd, and they fell on top of me, and I broke a vertebrae yeah. then. So this is the second time I've been through this. So it'll heal on its own. I start therapy tomorrow. Uh, it's a swimming pool thing that I have to do to start first. But uh, they say they're going to have me up to speed uh, in eight weeks to start the tour, so I'm, I'll be ready to go. August 4th is the first date of the next leg, uh, San Luis Obispo, California. So, yeah, you're looking at um, – you're, you're right around that point, about you know, like uh, eight, well, ten like weeks. Said, we so. don't have a lot of time to waste, you know. But, you know, it's just, the doctors in Berlin, they were fantastic. I mean, they, uh, they take care of the, the German Olympic team there. And the the medicine there is really really advanced too, so and I, I can't thank those guys enough for what they did because honestly there is no chance no way I would have been able to to finish that tour unless uh, they did what they did. But like I said, this is all part of what happened ten years ago, and it's just been a further continuation. So you know we're we're hoping to get it fixed now once and for all. I know being a very visual and active performer on stage that sitting down was not your preference, and I know you Are made you the best kidding? of it. <laughs> well, it was my pride, tough. number one. Yeah. You know, it's like, 
I've never done that before. And I had the strangest sensation because I didn't know what to expect. And I sat down and I swear to you, I felt like I was playing in somebody's living room. You know, I mean, it was, it was the most bizarre thing, but you know, the audience couldn't have been kinder to me. You know, and just, we did five shows like that. And, um, they just, they were really understanding and, uh, you find out how much they care about you in a situation like that. And to be honest with you, it's pretty gratifying. So you know, if you if, get past the pride factor, you know, yeah. and, and just absorb it, you know, then you find out how real it is. I mean, of course, everybody, we all hope that you're well and good enough to do this. But if you got to the point where this, some other complication became, or, or you weren't going to be able to stand, would you do this next leg of U.S. dates sitting again or would you then postpone it i mean what's your thoughts on that i it's hard for me to be me sitting i mean it's that blackie lawless is a combination of i'm part zorro i'm part dracula part (laughs) ali part elvis you take all four of them guys and put them together that's who blackie lawless is he can't really do that sitting that would be a question I would have to, to or a bridge I'd have to cross when I got there. But right. I've got four different specialists working on me right now. One of them, matter of fact, one of the orthopedists, he works for the U.S. Olympic team. They all agree that they will have me up to speed come August, so I'm keeping a good thought and believing that's what it's going to be. And, you know, I don't need to tell you this, but that's nothing to mess around with. I I have uh, a producer, my producer for this show, who has not been with me now for three weeks, who is in his 30s, had something happen with a disc in his back which cut off nerves, and he has been dealing with nerve recovery and was in the hospital for a week and is still not back with me, and he's a young guy, and... Uh, you know, the back can be a tricky thing because it can impact so many other things in your body when something goes out of whack beyond just the obvious pain. Well, let me, let me tell you how they explained it to me in Berlin. They said that the, think of your nerve system in your body that comes out of your spinal cord like the wiring in a house. That wiring is there constantly, and it's always on. Now, you don't use all of it. Like, you know, if you turn on your TV, you use part of it. You turn on your microwave, you use part of it there. So you only use it when you need it. Well, what the nervous system in the body does, let's say you're walking along and you stub your toe, and it hurts, but what the the toe is doing at that point is it's opening up just enough nerves to tell you how bad it is, and then it kind of quiets down and it goes back to, to normal. What the spinal cord is, is it's on 10 constantly, but you don't know it because it's never... It's there to do a specific thing, and you don't feel it until something happens that really it translates into the rest of the body. Right. And that's what happens when these, the, the nerves that come out of the spinal cord, they look like strands of spaghetti that come out of the actual spinal cord itself. And when that fluid comes out of the disc, it wraps itself around those, those spinal cord nerves. Well, it's like a toxin. The, the two of and it's the body's way of telling you something's wrong. And when mm. that toxin or, or when that, that gel wraps around the nerves, it then inflames those nerves and then it, it unleashes it on 10 throughout the body. And uh, like I said, there, there aren't words to describe what this feels like. 
we did the last show before we went to Berlin. We were in Antwerp, and we came off stage about ten thirty, and it was completely off the charts. And for fourteen hours till noon the next day, it's like you know, if you would have given me bullets, I would have bitten them in half. And needless to say, when we go on tour, we take a small pharmacy with us. We've got antibiotics. We've got all kinds of stuff because, you know, when you get out there, you have to be prepared to be on your own. Yeah. And I don't, I, I don't, I drink very little and I don't take drugs. But there were things that were helping me get through that night. And to, to be perfectly honest with you, they weren't even phasing that pain. Mm. And it it was one of the longest nights of my life, and like well, listen, said, something you would not wish on your or your worst enemy. We're all pulling for you and hope that it's not a factor, and you can get behind you know get it behind you, and and you can do these dates standing and well, without they, an like issue. Said, what they did in Berlin has actually has helped considerably. Yeah, but what I did was continue to push through that tour when they told me to go home. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. You know, this thing has been three years in the making. You know, it's been like every other band. We all went through COVID. Those things got booked and canceled and booked and canceled three times. We went through that. And I said, you know, come hell or high water, I'm, I'm finishing this tour. And they really didn't want me to, but the compromise was, you know, okay, I'll cut back my movement on stage, but it really wasn't enough. And then when, when I started cramping, in uh in Zurich that's when it when it cracked. Let me ask you about the US dates that you have done already because that was the last time you were on leading into that and you talk about it had been 3 years since you went to Europe which I know you tour more for years you toured more regularly than here in the US. The US run that you've already done the first that was the first time in about 10 years you did a US run. Actually, what were your well, feeling 12 years what were now that that because we talked to you before that now that you did that and you have another one again kicking off on august 4th which we'll talk about here in a second but what were your feelings now uh coming off of that run because you had resisted the u.s for a long time and by every measure the audience wise and turnout wise it was uh it was super successful so what what are your thoughts in retrospect about the first u.s run we didn't know what to expect when we went out, you know, we saw that ticket sales are doing well. Uh, but you really don't know what you're going to get when you get there. And I guess the best way to say it is when we got to the last two weeks of the, that U.S. run, none of us, and I mean none of us, wanted it to stop. It was probably the greatest experience I've had since the very first tour we did in 84. And that that's saying a lot. Mm. You know, it's um, it. I don't think it could have been better. You know, just to see people's reactions and to get back out there again. You know, I wasn't sure I was ever going to see America again, and to have this come around full circle the way it has has been. You know, just the greatest blessing. You know, it's um, you know, I, I I couldn't say enough about it. I mean, it's been absolutely fantastic, and we were in fear before we started that the reaction from the audiences, even though they we could see that the tickets were selling, we weren't sure exactly how they were going to respond. They went absolutely insane at these shows. And there would be Eddie, there would be times 
at the end of the shows, I'd get ready to say goodnight at the end, and I would have to scream so loud through the PA to get over the top of their volume. And it's been a long time since I've experienced something like that. And uh, I, I can't say enough about it. It's been fantastic. So I, I have to ask you about this because it's a it's an issue that I'm very outspoken about because it, me as a rock fan it's something that um, you know I'm 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 not down with but um, I got to bring it up to you just being honest um, one of the things that came out of those shows of people seeing you in America for the first time in a while there was more than one person that called into this show said hey something's going on with the vocal here is Blackie actually really singing. And then there was a clip that was surfaced online in a meet and greet where you admitted to singing to a track. Can you provide some clarity as to exactly what is and isn't live in a Wasp show and your thoughts on that? Absolutely. When we do these, well, let me back up a little bit. About 10, 12 years ago, we did the Crimson Idol the first time in its entirety with orchestration. Now, prior to that, we had just done, I call it the Live at Leeds version, you know, because if you look at what the Who did with the Live at Leeds, uh, which we all thought was live at the time, and we now realize there are overdubs on those as well, um, like most live records, we, we would take the bare bones approach to doing it. Well, we decided to take, you know, an approach where we tried to make it sound exactly like the record. And we had never used orchestration or anything like that. So we went in the studio. We took all the tracks off the record as far as the orchestration. We took the background vocal tracks. We took doubles on leads. We, we did everything. And we took it and we tried to make it as sound as much like the record as we could. I stood in the middle of the room that first night in rehearsal. And I swear to you, it was like an out-of-body experience. I had never heard anything sound like that before i'd never played with a live orchestra before and so this was the closest thing you would get to doing something like that and so i i came to the conclusion because listen i understand both sides of the argument on it you know i don't for me personally but i'm up there i'm singing my ass off you know but what's wrong with having enhancement to make something sound exactly like the record because you know, you're not going to get a band like Queen or any other band that does big productions like that. Four guys cannot go out there and reproduce that record. It's impossible. It won't happen. So do you want it to sound like the record, or do you want it to be a, just a general live performance? And that's, that's a, taste, uh, a question of taste. So to, if you're going to start making records where you have a lot of orchestration, and things like that going, it is impossible to make it sound like that record unless you have that. And, you know, you could also make the argument, which has been going on Broadway for the last 20 years, you know, the musicians' union has been fighting this fiercely, but technology rolls on and it's not going to stop. You know, where they no longer have live music in, uh, in Broadway productions. And the musicians' union has had a fit over that. Well, even before that happened... When you had keyboards introduced that had entire, you know, orchestras in them, you've got one guy now replacing 120 different people. You know, so where do you draw the line? You know, well, like I said, I understand if somebody wants a true organic experience. 
But from my perspective, I looked at it and I said, once I heard it sound exactly like the record, I thought, I cannot go back to this again. I mentioned The Who a second ago, you know, the live at Leeds approach. The Who used tapes for years until they started hiring all these other guys to go out with them. But even still, a lot of the keyboard stuff won't get fooled again, things like that. That's all on tape. Yeah, well, so, I think... Like, yeah, my my feeling about it, and and I and I am in the uh, you know just being brutally honest, I am in the in the in the school of feeling that it should be live, and I do want it live, and I do want it raw, and I don't think it should sound like the record, and it doesn't have to. But that's my feelings about it. But well, the I word think raw is the key there. Yeah, but you I know, think so. Blackie, I think the problem is where, it, it, and I I have said many times because I get misquoted on my position on this all the time. I have no issue with a keyboard part. I have no issue with a uh, if if you've got an orchestra in a song. I don't expect people to carry a friggin' orchestra. And and you know you bring up Queen as an example. And interestingly, Queen, when they toured the last time, actually put out a video of them doing with with the supporting musicians doing all the backing vocals in a dressing room to show that they were real. So it's you, you know, not just me, but even the artist community very divided on this because there are a lot of people. And again, I don't I don't have any issue with a part or an intro or orchestration part, but it's gone to the point now where, you know, you can see what's happening with Motley Crue. Mick Mars alleging Nikki Six didn't play bass for the last five years on Motley Crue tours. Um, who's singing? Who's not singing? And if it gets to the point where technology goes to that level, then, you know, I always joke with the audience, well, I can't sing or play anything, but I'll start a band and I'll stand up there at a microphone or with a guitar because there's bands out there that are doing that. You know, it's, it's that I hear about it all the time on festivals, bands following another band and they're like, the entire show was a Pro Tools rig. So it's like, you well, know, I, I think there's that. a line. You know yeah, there's I mean, a line. My own personal taste is I don't want to see that. You know, and especially for somebody, and you know, I say you don't want to see me do a band. I'll tell you that right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't you want know, to see I, me on stage. <laughs> I use this example a lot. I went to see BB King about ten, eleven years ago, something. He was eighty-one, and he was sitting. I saw him at the Kodak Theater here in LA, in Hollywood. I was right in front of him, literally in front of him, and he was probably he was less than ten feet away from me. And he was sitting, you know, and he told the audience, he goes, hey, I'm 81 years old. I got to sit. You know, it was funny. But <laughs> I, I listened to him sing, and I could hear the volume of him coming out off the stage. I could hear him acoustically louder where I was sitting than what was coming out of the PA. And I thought to myself, you know, watching him, I thought, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Now, when I go out on that stage, I take a lot of pride and this gift that God's given me. And I, I like to show it off. I'll, I'll just be flat out honest with you. You know, but I think people want to see that. or They want to hear it. You know, so I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, if you've got a, a guitar player that, you know, is, is really, really good, people are going there to see that. Um, but again, when I went into to rehearsals that one night, and I heard what it sounded like when it sounded like the record, I thought, I can never go back. I mean, it, it, like I said, it was a flat-out, out-of-body experience. So, so, so like what said, percentage... Just, what per approaches. 
Yeah, so one final point on this, because I want to ask you a few other things, and I'm going to run out of time. What what percentage, if people go to see you live and Wasp live and these shows coming up, what roughly what percentage are they hearing uh, canned versus you actually doing live or the band actually doing live? Because the other part about this that I always warn the audience when they jump on bands about this, and again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie, I'm absolutely it's a soapbox issue for me personally but but one of the things i always caution the audience about is like hey you got to be careful because sometimes these musicians uh have an extra person or two on the stage and that's totally cool helping out playing something singing something sometimes the drummer's a great singer and you're not seeing there's a mic swung around to him sometimes the guitar player's a great singer and he's up there helping out so you know, sometimes people get wrong reads on this too, just based off of what, you know, just looking at the lead singer, not looking at the whole package. But what percentage when you play live is live versus what you're, you're pre-recording? You mean for my lead vocals? The whole thing. Yeah. I mean, is it beyond the lead vocals? vocals, I mean, I, I would encourage people to go, we did five shows where I was sitting. Go look at those last couple. You're going to hear it loud and clear. Because when we were in Sofia, I cracked a couple of times, which I normally don't do. You know, but it was getting towards the end of the tour. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't anything catastrophic. It just, but for me, I don't normally crack. You know, but it happens. You know, but it, it's part of the live experience. But, you know, when we start doing the choruses and things like that, myself, Mike Duda, and Doug Blair, we're all out there singing. But we're using backups behind that, too, because when we did it in the studio, we're using three and four, you know, tracks at a time to create that. You cannot make those choruses sound huge like that with just, you know, individual vocals doing or, or creating that. Because when you do it in the studio, you double and triple tracks. You know, I mentioned Queen a while ago. They were using 24 tracks of vocals to create those sounds. You cannot create those chorus sounds by two or three guys doing that. It is impossible. And I, to be honest, if they're showing themselves singing backstage, that's wonderful. But unless there's 20 guys in that room doing that, it ain't going to sound like that. There were about eight. what they're doing. <laughs> there weren't 20, but there were about eight. <laughs> well, but you understand what I'm saying. If you're doing 24 tracks of vocals to create that chorus effect, a handful of guys cannot do that, even with electronic doublers. And then you could get into that argument. Okay, you're using you know mechanical effects to enhance one guy out there. I mean, where do we draw the line with this now? Well, that's exactly my point. Where do we draw the line? Because, again, there is a line, and I think, and I, I, can't, I, I can't speak for you and what, what's going on with your band, and I've not, I, I've not had a chance yet to see your show, but uh, that, that's exactly it to me. It's exactly well, that. There is a line, the and there's a lot that are going over the line, Blackie. In the pop world, forget it. The ship has sailed. In the pop world... I saw that woman do a Lipa drop her microphone. She dropped it for two minutes. She couldn't find it on the floor. She's fishing around for it. Her lead vocal's just <laughs> blasting out of the PA. There's people who spent three thousand dollars to hear this woman sing, and when she found the microphone, they all applauded. And I'm like, "You just spent three grand. You're listening to it. Let me uh, tell someone you not something. sing if at you all. Do that. If you can do that, that's talent, buddy. <laughs> well, she looks really good too. So there's that." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, one of my neighbors here, she, uh, everybody, I ain't going to say who she is, but, 
you know, she had a residency in Vegas a couple of years ago, and she wasn't singing any of it. You know, but the argument was she's out there doing dance routines all the time, and I, I kind of get it. You know, I mean, nobody can run around and and do that. I mean, if I'm not going to go to a show like that, so I guess I can't really comment. But like I said, I, I cite BB King. I wanted to hear BB, and I got to hear BB. You know, so if you're going to come see us, if you want to hear me, you're going to get to hear me. You know, so if it's if we embellish it. You know, in other parts of the song, I think it's just making it better. Well, listen, man, I'll say this in closing on this topic because we could debate it till the cows come home. But I, I'll say the, this one thing. I, I, whether I agree or disagree with what is or isn't going on, I appreciate the artists like yourself who are at, at least honest and transparent enough to say it and talk about it because um, there's a ton <laughs> that are not and that are doing it and that are that you know are oh no man we're sounding you know that's that's what we sound like now and you know I see it all the time I've I, there's bands I've been given tours of their pro tools rig under the stage by certain people on their crew and it's well, like the whole thing is a freaking track I don't agree with that. You know, if you're out there supposed to be playing, I think you're probably supposed to be playing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that's not what I want to see, you know, especially if somebody, but, you know, and I was going to say if they're a great musician, but I think great musicians are not going to do that. You know, again, if you take pride in what you do, you're going to want to show it off. I'm sorry. You know, when we realize from an early age we have this thing that other people don't, that's where you get to be a show off. You know, so it's like, and there's times, allow me to be brutally honest with you. When we get to the end of the idol, I do this thing where I hold a note at the end of the, of the song. And depending on, you know, how my wind is that night, it'll range anywhere from 30 to 45 seconds. That's a long time to hold a note. And when I'm holding it, a lot of times in my head, I can hear it coming out of the PA. And I think to myself, this sounds pretty cool. To be able to stand there and hear that thing coming yeah. out of you, that's pretty special. And that's what, it, as from a, from a fan perspective, which is all I am, that's all. That's what I live for, and that's why I think this is such a slippery slope. Because I live for those moments, and I and that's the whole reason I go to see a band live is. Well, I'm not going to argue with you over that because when you're saying guys, you know, if they're doing you know whole shows on Pro Tools. You know, I can certainly see that argument. But then again, like I said, if you've got virtuoso, virtuoso musicians, I think their pride factor is going to be such where they're not going to do that. Hey, before I run out of time, let's talk about this next run that's coming up. So as we mentioned, and this one is enough, this one's, I think, maybe, uh, I don't know for a fact, a little more extensive even than the first leg. And there's some big buildings in here. Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City, which I've been to, is a big building. I mean... Uh, you, this is definitely a, an impressive second run. It kicks off August 4th, San Luis Obispo, California, and it runs for a while uh, here in the U.S. Armored Saint, once again, in support. Right now, your last date listed on the website looks like it's uh, September uh, in Dallas. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, uh, in L.A., uh, wrapping up in, in your home there, September 16th at the Palladium. So it's a good run. Armored Saint, again, in support. Do you plan to change anything on this leg versus the first U.S. leg, show-wise, set-list-wise, or is it pretty much going to be the same thing given that these are new cities? We're going to add a little bit to it, but when we say 
new cities, we looked at the dates and we said, okay, about 75% of the shows that we're doing on this, this run are places we've not been to yet. You know, we didn't do any of the Northwest. We didn't do any of Canada. You know, so if you look at them, like I said, the vast majority have not seen this. But there are places like New York, Chicago, L.A. that have seen it. You know, so we thought, what do we do? So when I when I called in a second ago, you know, they put me on hold, and you guys were playing Sleeping in the Fire. Now, we have not played that song in well over 10 years. We're going to add another encore to the show where it's a, it's a three-song medley, and we're going to start, maybe I'm, I'm getting premature here, but we believe that Sleeping in the Fire will be the first song of that new encore. Nice, nice. And I know there was a lot of talk when we went into that first tour where a lot of people were wondering if you were going to play Animal. And uh, I know it was represented, but talk about like your approach to doing that and if you're going to continue doing it that way. Well, you know, when you're 20 years old and you write a song like Animal, that's kind of self-explanatory. <laughs> but when you turn 50 or 60, it takes on a different meaning. And right. so can you still can you still make that statement as you get older? And I thought, okay, how do we portray this now? And then I thought about it for a while, and I thought, well, you know what? This song called a heck of a, caused a heck of a stink when it first came out. Why don't we focus it around that? And that's exactly what we've done. So when you first or we go off for the encore, and then while we're still off stage, what you hear is the Senate hearing committee, committee coming to order. You hear Al Gore talking, you hear uh, Frank Zappa talking, John Denver, Dee Snyder, and then we start the song after that. But what it does is it brings people up to speed because we realize that there's a lot of the audience that are here now that weren't around when these were was happening. And there's a key phrase, I mean, when you see the dialogue that's written on the screen, it's walking you through everything that was happening. And it says, basically, censorship anywhere is censorship everywhere. And that's really the way, you know, we're, we're portraying it. And it's, it's kind of a little educational, you know, a three-minute educational clip to bring people up to speed that didn't live through it the first time and to well, let them know that it still is a valid thing today. Because I didn't know at the time it was happening that when Frank Zappa was involved, Frank had in, experienced that in the early 60s, before Beatlemania and things like that. And so he had already seen that monster once before, and he was the perfect spokesman to be the patriarch for all of us, because it's really what he was, uh, you know, to, to run point on all of it. And so, you know, he did a fantastic job doing that. But again, I think that this subject, it's never going to go away. And I think it uh, it's a good idea to revisit, you know, the 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 principles of it from time to time to educate people that yes, that happened then, and it's not an antiquated idea. It's happening again today. Whether it's you know, I mean, Elon Musk bought Twitter because of this supposedly. Yeah. You know, so you know, it's like you, lots of guys. You go to Arlington Cemetery. Lots of guys died for this first amendment. You know, yep. and it's not designed to protect popular speech. It's designed to protect unpopular speech. You know, so I don't care what anybody says. You've got the right to say it. I trust 
in the people that are, are you know my fellow Americans that they're going to be smart enough if you got somebody spewing neo-nazi propaganda he should have the right to say that but i trust in my fellow americans to believe that the vast majority of us will not adhere and subscribe to that you got to trust could, the people around you i couldn't agree with you more on all that and i'll tell you this the 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 thing and I, i'm curious about this from the first run you did in america because again it had been like you said 12 years since a full u.s tour but you talk about educating people and you talk about giving people the history. Now, somebody like myself, I've been there since day one with you and Wasp. That's when I started in the business as well, 40 years. But And I know you're celebrating that on your own tour. But I'm sure that you're seeing and have seen a lot of people in your audience on the run you just did that are seeing the band for the first time and maybe their parents are bringing them or maybe they, you know, so you, so did you, I'm imagining you saw a pretty wide demographic of age of people coming to those shows and many seeing you for the first time. Absolutely. You know, and you have to take that into consideration. So, you know, Rod Smallwood and I, I mean, we had long conversations before we put this tour together of what it was going to look like and how we were going to portray it. You know, so when we, we advertised it as going back to the beginning, which we have, but was it going to be the same way we did it in 1984? Could we do that again? Could I stand there and do the blood and the meat and all that stuff again and then turn around and do part of the Crimson Idol? No, I cannot. So the way we did it is we were doing it with film. But when people come to these shows, something we've been able to capture, and we weren't even sure how we were doing it. We just heard it night after night after night. What we were able to capture on this tour is there is a feeling of what was happening in the early 80s in L.A. at the time. And people who lived through it said, you know what, thank you for doing this. It feels like that. But for the people who didn't get to experience it, they're getting to see it firsthand of what it felt like for the very first time. And like I said, we've tapped into something on it that I would love to sit here and tell you that we designed from the get-go, but there was a lot of luck involved doing it. But whatever it is, it's created a synergy, and everybody's feeling it. And it is very, very cool to be on this wave. Everybody find your date for the next run of Wasp Dates. Again, it starts August 4th and goes for a while here in the U.S. WaspNation.com is the website to get all your information, your VIPs, your tickets, your info, your dates, all of that. And um, Blackie, I'm going to let you go because I actually have a pair of tickets with a full VIP for a listener to the city of their choice that I'm going to give away right now before I run out of time. Cool. And I know this includes meet and greet and all sorts of cool perks in it, which we appreciate. So um, it's always good to catch up with you, man. It's always good to talk to you. And most importantly, above and beyond everything here, best of health to you. And I hope you get this behind you and you feel better. No, we're going to be good with that. But you know, I want to say something real quick Ed, about those meet and greets. I'd never done anything like that before. And to be honest with you, we've done it now probably 70, 80 times between the U.S. and Europe. It's been one of the greatest experiences of my life. I have gotten to meet these people in controlled situations, not chaotic like when you meet people on the street. And it becomes very conversational. I learn as much 
from them as they learn from me. I listen to them very closely. It's like little mini market surveys. And to be able to hear them tell me the things they've been feeling or wanting to ask for the longest time, like I said, it has absolutely been one of the greatest experiences of my life. I don't know if we'll continue to do it again after this, but uh, it'll be something, I, a memory I will take with me for the duration. Uh, very cool, man. That's good to hear. Uh, take care of yourself. The best of health to you, Blackie, and uh, right, keep in touch. Now. And I hope, hope to, to see, see you when soon. We're out there. Yeah, I'm looking at the dates. I'm all over the map myself, but I definitely want to come see you. <laughs> all right, bud. You take care. All right, man. See you. Right, see you now. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Blackie. And look, I respect Blackie for answering the questions and admitting to it and discussing his use of tracks. Um, a lot of people pointed out to me they didn't really understand his explanation for it. I mean, why <laughs> in no universe should a live rock show sound like a record? I, I don't understand where that mentality has come from. I mean, it shouldn't. That's the whole difference. The whole measure of live is what does somebody sound like live these days? Um, it is just something that, uh, again, I could go on and on and on about, and I hope you know, others have been outspoken about it. I hope more continue to be, because if they're not, and again, everybody just accepts whatever's thrown at them, uh, we're going to have very few live rock bands out there anymore, and that will be truly, truly sad. Anyway, uh, thanks to Blackie for coming on. Thank you for him uh, answering the questions and, you know, not running from it. And, uh, you know, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Again, all interviews happened live on my SiriusXM radio show. Radio show. Please join me for Rock Talk every day on Trunk Nation, Faction Talk, Sirius XM Channel 103, live Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific, nightly re-airs at midnight Eastern on 103, full shows, audio, video, interviews, and more, anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. Just punch in Trunk Nation. And remember to check out my new YouTube show with Don and Jim, That Rocks, totally free on YouTube. Just punch in That Rocks in the search, and you'll see the episodes come up. Thank you for listening. Have a great week, and I'll catch you next Thursday for another new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Te presentamos a Daniela. A ella nada le sorprende. Siempre estoy lista para lo que venga. Por eso... Este año fui a Walmart a comprar todo para combatir mis alergias antes que comience la temporada de alergias. Claro, porque Walmart tiene... Productos de alta calidad para las alergias como descongestionantes, sprays nasales, antihistamínicos y más. Y a precios muy buenos. ¿Y sabías que también tiene pick-up y delivery? Daniela, ¿te sorprendiste? ¿Yo? <ríe> no, ¿qué va? Claro que sabía que Walmart tiene pick-up y delivery. <ríe> <ríe> Bienvenido a una farmacia más simple. Bienvenido a tu Walmart. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.